Hello and welcome everybody to this week's edition of the About Tribute podcast. I'm your host, that guy named John. And on this very special 50th auspicious, episode. An auspicious episode. 50th episode, I am joined by the person who was here from the very beginning, Dr. Andy. Hello. This is really exciting. It is. Uh, so for those of you who are new listeners, uh, this podcast covers all sorts of geeky topics like movies and TV shows and all of that fun stuff. Uh, and I tried to, for the 50th episode, get everybody together who has been on the show before and do this big thing. And here they all are. And everybody down the table. Yeah. Uh. So <laughs> being adults and having different schedules and think people are busy. People moved to New York. Uh, looking at you, Jess. Uh, so there will be some sort of episode down the road where I get everybody together who has meant a lot for this podcast and we do something. We play a game. Yeah. I make sure that they get recognized. And... I think this is some kind of slight on my character that I'm the only one who's showed up. Well, granted, you do live like five <laughs> minutes away. <laughs> so that kind of helps Okay, things. good point. Yep. Uh, okay. So on this episode uh first of all dr andy thank you for being here for a long time so it was over it was about a year ago yeah actually over a year ago that we started this whole uh adventure uh we still have some unreleased episodes that we <gasps> Classics. recorded Classics. a long time ago that yeah they were they're kind of rough looking back on it but we're here now and that was when movies were still silent that was uh yeah and we were talking mm -hmm. about the talkies and weird it was pretty weird, weird. uh so on this episode we're going to be talking about a couple different things uh, including two new releases that are in theaters right now uh andy is going to be talking about train spotting or t2, t2. train, train spotting, spotting. <laughs> uh we'll get into why it is called that and the legalities surrounding it uh and ghost in the shell and what is weird about these and these were just kind of like accident almost accidental that mm -hmm. we picked these two films is that they both have a precursor of of some renown and you know and, and like almost i think they were both like 20 years difference yeah. between the first and the second and it's a hard act to follow it can be it can be a hard act to follow let's put it that absolutely. way absolutely for sure but first, before we go into that, a word from our sponsor. And that word is pineapple, which is a weird word for our sponsor. That's a very strange word. Which is American Music. Thank you for sponsoring this episode and so many others. Uh, American Music Store is a fantastic uh, locally owned music store here in the Fremont neighborhood in Seattle. Uh, I need to go there with Andy, mainly so that he can stop me from spending all of my money. Mm -hmm. uh, that place is amazing. When was the last time you were in there? Did you get anything? Or did you just look around all the shiny things? <laughs> it's, it's, it's easily to be dazzled. Very easy to be dazzled. Yeah. yeah, I've been in there fairly recently. Yeah. Yeah. So those guys are great. Definitely check them out uh, in Fremont. And of course, Vexing Media, who does all of the audio editing, who makes Dr. Andy and I sound beautiful. Ugh. So, <laughs> or whatever. I will edit that out, probably. Yeah, hopefully. So thank you again to Brandon at Vexing Media. Without him, this podcast would not be around. All right, now on to the rest of things. Guess what time it is, Andy? Uh, it's about five minutes past two, John. Guess, so it is actually review time. Oh. Theme song. 
Yeah, still wait for that theme song. <laughs> I, I, I put down a drum beat for that, by the way. Oh, you did? I did, yeah. Mm, somebody did not send it to me. Well, no, I just put the drum beat down. I, I didn't do anything else yet. Ugh, ridiculous. I mean, you, you really want, just want me on the drums? Just like for like... No. Okay, so this is the segment of the podcast where I read the latest five-star reviews on iTunes. And if you want to... Join in this illustrious uh, group that gets a shout out on the air. Just go on iTunes, leave a five star uh, review and rating, and that is how you can make it happen. So the first one is from Nerds with Words, which is another really fun podcast. They say, great cast, five stars. John nails reviews on all sorts of entertainment in a way that is definitely unique and also funny. Uh, as a movie aficionado myself, I definitely recommend this podcast. Nice review. That was a good review. Yeah. Uh, next one. I have no idea how to pronounce this. Uh, this is by Char410 Barris. Char410 Char Barris? Okay. Sure. sure. Uh, it is called <laughs> Vancouver Webfest. Five stars. Enjoyed your interviews with the winners of the Webfest. Short, simple, to the point. Is it, they're saying that you're short? That no, oh. I'm seven feet tall, like Shemif Karnowski. Yeah, uh, three foot heels. So, <laughs> uh, next one, and this is from definitely friend of the family, Yvette Lou, up in Vancouver. Uh, she put this on there. She sent me a screenshot because iTunes is dumb. A lot of times when people leave a review on iTunes, they will send me a tweet, be like, "Hey, I left a review. I will not see it." For days, because iTunes is just weird like that. So the best way is do the review, take a screenshot, tweet it to me, add about to review, email it to me, about to review at gmail.com, and then I actually know what it is, and it eventually will show up on iTunes. Mm -hmm. So this is from Yvette Lou. She was not sure what her username is. Five stars. Excellent podcast. Uh, John's passion for film, TV, and other topics he covers shines through clearly in his podcast and is contagious. After listening to it, I feel inspired. His sense of humor and enthusiasm puts the people he interviews at ease, and you feel like you're getting secret insight into topics. His coverage of the Vancouver Webfest was excellent, and listening to the episode is the next best thing to being there. Thanks for visiting Vancouver and for all the mentions. Nice, yeah. That's, this is where contagious is one of those good things, right? Not not bad, yes. right? Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> not like the scurvy that you yeah. picked up in like 1862. Oh, it, itches. it itches. Yeah, that, that was rough for you. You had to eat a bunch of lemons. Is that what they do for scurvy? Limes, I think it was. Is that limes? Yeah. Hence uh, limeys. Limeys. Is that where that came from? Yeah. Yeah. Was it pirates or just... No, British Navy. Oh. And it might have been pirate. I think it's British Navy, though. Mm, they, limes. they ate limes to get yeah, stave off scurvy. Fair enough. Yeah. Uh, and then last one, and this one is actually on Stitcher, another platform where the podcast is hosted. So you can get leave a five-star review on something other than iTunes. Absolutely you can. Okay. And in fact, Stitcher, it shows up right away. Instantaneously. So imagine that. Uh, this one says five stars, Vancouver Webfest. Thank you for being part of Vancouver Webfest 2017. Your interviews are amazing, and you made everyone feel extremely comfortable and relaxed. We look forward to having you uh, as, I think there's a little grammar thing, we look forward to having you as a permanent fixture at future Vancouver Webfest events. Cheers. 
Wow. So thank you. I'm pretty sure uh, that was Suzette who wrote that one. The organizer. Could have been someone else. Who knows? It could have been. <laughs> so yeah, thank you to everybody uh, who has done a review. And if you want to have a review read aloud, you now know how to do it. So, and we like those. I like those. Andy, do you like reviews? I, I especially like the ones which refer to me positively. Mm, actually, no, that has ha- I was about to make fun of you, and then I remembered. Oh, no, that oh, actually has happened. Done that. Yeah, that has <laughs> happened. So. so, yeah. Great. All right, that was the review section. Theme song. Yeah. Okay, the, I even okay, set, you know, I set that one up for future. you. Sometime in the future. Okay. <laughs> no. Okay. We're not a, there yet, all right? I was okay. like, that sounds like a jazz Jeez. club in the 40s. <laughs> You can smell. It's really smoky in here. Yeah. Uh, All right. So moving right along. uh, One thing that Andy and I do every year, and this is just going to be a quick little uh, side jaunt, a departure from normally the amazing TV and film. Hey, it's a 50th episode. We can go a little crazy. We can. So every year, Andy and I go to VegFest uh, here in beautiful Seattle, Washington. And yeah, this year we went... Uh, and it was kind of a different year than in years past. There were some new vendors. There were some long standard vendors that were not what? there at all. Yeah. Yeah. So for those of you who do not know what we are talking about, VegFest is just this huge vegetarian food festival. Uh, one of the largest in the country. It happens in Seattle uh, towards the end of March, early April. So... Yeah, Andy, give me some of your quick hits. Uh, what were your, some of your favorites at VegFest 2017? Oh, yes. It was a grand day. Grand day. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I mean, sort of, there's always some standards, which are always great to have. But, you know, they're standards. They're, you're the ones that you can already find in the supermarket, for mm-hmm. instance, in the uh, health food section or, you know, more generally. Um, but a couple of new, newer ones to me, which I found uh, really great, was this uh, one thing that was called Almeta. It's yes. an armored almond milk mousse Mm -hmm. and um yeah no it was it was very tasty it was uh the consistency was really good so it didn't have like a grainy uh kind of consistency which a lot of vegan slash vegetarian mousses can have Mm -hmm. um slash all vegetarian and vegan uh, food sometimes has a propensity for let's not put the the listening (laughs) public (laughs) off but no no it was it was very tasty and uh, you know i mean sort of almond milk um, does not have the weird aftertaste that a lot of soy milks have. So the, of course, this mousse didn't have one of those aftertastes. Mm-hmm. Um, very nice. Uh, the other thing, one of the other things. Well, was there, so speaking of Almeda, there were which one was your favorite? They had like a French vanilla, a lemon, dark chocolate. I think it was the um, both the vanilla and the uh, lemon. Were, I think I tried the lemon. Were good. The 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 uh, chocolate one. I know I'm I'm a big fan of chocolate, and mm-hmm. this one was just slightly not as super as I was expecting it to be yeah. after trying the other one. So yeah. I think I mean because it was a dark chocolate, it did not really have those kind of bitter notes that you kind of want with a dark chocolate. Mm-hmm. So for me, the lemon was was a standout. It yeah. was super lemony. It yep. was tart. It was, was fresh. Really 
So, yeah. Speaking of uh, fruitiness, mm-hmm. um, Sorbato. It's a mm-hmm. brand of uh, blueberry-based sorbet. So, I mean, sort of sorbets can be based on anything, but, I mean, I can't think of one which the standard base is the blueberry. They had, yeah. uh, uh, like, a, a blueberry-flavoured one, of course. What? And they have <laughs> I know. <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, it could have been anything. But they also had uh, a raspberry and a blackberry-based ones. And they, they were super tasty. Uh, again, not not overly sweet that's one of the problems that a lot of uh, sweet things tend to have especially uh, maybe not especially with uh, vegetarian food but sort of like overcompensation mm-hmm, for sure is like throwing in extra sugary kind of stuff but i don't even know if the, i don't not even sure if this had extra sugar in it very good um couple of surprises there's always a surprise that you know make i force myself to to eat something or drink <laughs> something i would not in real life do mm-hmm. um one of those was uh this product called zupa which was a yeah. It, it could have been a, a juice, but they were describing it as a cold soup because mm-hmm. it was more of more of a a, a, um, a smoothie in the sense that they they ground up everything mm-hmm. and, and added some extra fluids um, <laughs> rather than <laughs> just. I've been using that word a lot today. You okay? did okay. So yeah, quick recap, not recap, but Andy and I are walking around VegFest today, eating a bunch of things that you know are salty and crunchy and like peanut butters and all of that and I'll kind of look over and Andy was like I need a, a fluid and I was like who the hell ever describes I something to drink well, as a fluid? Well, you know, fluid? I thought it was a, a, a gentler way of saying, I need hydration. Anyway, oh, you, <laughs> this is supposed to be a short section. Which, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, so Zupa, this, I, I tried one which was like a, a, a mostly carrot base. Mm-hmm. And um, it was very nice. It was a little bit It was a little bit sweet, so you could easily see it as a juice. But you could, I mean, it, ha- it was it was um, spiced um Oh gosh, I can't remember what the spice was exactly. Maybe hmm. uh, not cardamom, cumin, Terminal, maybe cumin, like okay. cumin, something like that. Um, so you could also see it as a soup. It could easily have been if you warmed it up, a soup, for instance. Um, hmm. So that was I, I, surprisingly good, and one which I would definitely never have picked up if it wasn't free. <laughs> Once you go right. in there, uh, was this uh, stuff called pock pock som soda. <sighs> Um, mm-hmm. One of the, the, the thing, the second largest significant ingredient in it was was vinegar. Um, mm-hmm. So you'd call it a vinegar soda, and I'm not. I have to admit, I'm not a vinegar fan. Um, and it was, yeah, no, it was, it was good. And I'm. Uh, do you want me to throw in the ones which I was not so keen on? So yeah, I mean, just like with with most things that we do on this podcast, my favorite and the best type of rating system in the world is good bad or ugly so i wrote down stuff that fell in between those three categories so yeah go ahead what was what was something that was was bad that again was not a huge misstep it was not something you think but it was just not something that it was something you tried because we were there and uh-huh. we always like to try new things that show up every year Okay, I mean, I'd say in your in your in your rating of mm-hmm. good, bad, ugly, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I would probably put the um, the chia viva chia seed pudding. Yeah, that was a bit weird. It, I mean, sort of because pudding. I tend to associate with something smooth. Mm-hmm. I actually velvety, velvety smooth pudding in 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 Britain is something completely. Pudding is just like all dessert. It's a dessert, it, pudding is really? interchangeable with the word dessert essentially. Do you put malt vinegar on that too? No. Okay. We we do batter it and deep fry it, however. <laughs> okay. Um, <laughs> or 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 very or more specifically, it's a steamed kind of cake thing. 
So that's you would that would be a pudding. No, please don't even bother. <laughs> no, but but in I as a, as an almost naturalized American, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I expect pudding to be smooth. And mm-hmm. this was a chia seed studded pudding. So essentially, it's like they made a delicious smooth pudding and then threw a bunch of chia seeds <laughs> right. in it. And I don't want seeds in my pudding. That's mm-hmm. I think I can say that fairly clearly. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, it, it, I think it was a, it was a, an interesting experiment. And some people are going to like having a bit of grittiness yeah. and and lumpiness in their pudding meat no um and the other thing i'm i'm gonna have to probably give this an ugly i feel bad about this but uh yeah it's any vegan cheese still when you mm. melt it is still kind of uh really not good <laughs> it, not good yeah yeah the food science has evolved a lot uh i mean andy has been vegetarian since like the 1800s uh, or even earlier, because I mean, you had to chase down your prey at certain points in your life. It's so... a lot easier to just pick carrots. Exactly. Turnips. Uh, <laughs> turnips in, in specific. But yeah, food science has come a long way in the past fifteen years, twenty years. But a lot of it, yeah, this this still got a ways to go. Mm. Um, yeah. So some of my highlights are actually the same as yours. Uh, the Olmeda mousse mm-hmm. was incredible. Uh, my kind of best in show, my goodest of the good mm. of VegFest 2017 was a company called Bienna. Mm-hmm. And they made oh, yeah. chickpea snacks yeah. that were like just baked chickpeas with flavoring. Oh, my gosh. Like Great. They, they had a the cinnamon. Habanero. Yeah. Oh, you, yours was cinnamon. Yours, well, they, had, they had a cinnamon crunch yeah. uh, and then a habanero that we tried. They had a sea salt, but that, that was pretty yeah, generic. Yeah. It was really good. But yeah. the habanero and cinnamon crunch were incredible and one of the things that i really liked about that was that uh, with chickpeas when you bake them fry them mm-hmm. or whatever they can often ha- be like, like too hard or yeah. of an, a, a weirdly differential uh density uh, yeah exactly mm-hmm. you got you got like hard and then soft and then like yeah crumbly whereas it, these seem to have a, a pretty uh consistent consistency mm-hmm. yeah and so my biggest food vice is salty and crunchy. It is not sweet. It is not chocolate or anything, but salty and crunchy. If you is that because you you're too sweet already, John? That has to be it. Uh, I think it just I just am too sweet. But salty and crunchy. If you give me a salty and crunchy snack, I will eat the entire bag. And with these, they're chickpeas. So it was. Yes, they're not that great for you because they're still coated in a bunch of stuff. But it was not something that you felt guilty about. Um, so those were really really good. Same pock pock som mm-hmm. soda. Mm-hmm. Uh, I tried the turmeric and the grapefruit. Both of them were really good. And like Andy said, we had been fooled before mm. with these vinegar style drinks. Uh, I was really impressed. Uh, it was something that again I might not rush out and buy, but it was still impressive. Um, uh, the, the my bad. The field roast, mac and cheese. I say it was bad because, like, again, food science has evolved a lot. It just tasted like boxed mac and cheese without anything special, anything different. That is not something that I ever want to eat again. But I like that one, John. I I have to say that, I mean, I having had actual (laughs) boxed mac and cheese Mm -hmm. within the last two or three years, um, it wasn't. It was it was it it was different to me. I mean, it wasn't certainly as cheesy because it was uh, vegan, um, but it also didn't make me 
heave in the way that vegan cheese tends to <laughs> so that is a big plus i give it extra points for that oh all right fair enough uh and then my ugly uh are two things that you have just mentioned they're the dea jalapeno havarti cheese <laughs> yeah. oh ugh. it was it was bad it was it was it was in fact it was ugly uh and then the go veg vegan cheese uh-huh yeah. It was just, it was chalky. And again, when you think of cheese, you want that smooth, velvety texture and whatever. Yeah. Not this. Like, it was just, it was so and then, weird. And I feel, I feel bad about that because I want to, I want to encourage uh, the, the companies yeah. to, 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 to do these, but I want to encourage them to put some R&D into making something which will make people who actually like real cow's milk or goat's milk or sheep's milk cheese mm-hmm. be ready to to make a change if if you know if they having you know they don't want to eat cheese anymore but cheese is just so delicious you know sure yeah uh so yeah that, that basically kind of wraps it up for for veg fest 2017 this year like we said there were not the big heavy hitters but that also meant that andy and i both left without feeling disgusting mm-hmm. because all too often there will be the companies that we love and we will go back and back and back. And you end up just stuffing yourself. Basically, think of VegFest as Costco sampling on crack. Because mm-hmm. you go in and you can just you can be there all day. I could eat more than one so delicious bar, that's for sure. Yeah. And they were not there this year. Nope. And that made me sad. Yeah. But in other years, like Field Roast had burgers. I feel burgers. so much healthier now, though. <laughs> right. <laughs> Field Roast had burgers and hot dogs. And you just keep going back. So this year, we both left and we were full but not hating ourselves <laughs> so and if you can right. get away from any meal feeling full and not, not hating, hating yourself, yourself congratulations yes. uh yeah why do they have creepy clowns at veg fest i still do not like that at all we'll talk about it later John. yeah maybe next year when they get rid of them uh all right so moving on to the review section of the podcast with the two new releases that are currently in theaters. Uh, Andy is going to take it away with T2 Train Spotting. And before we go into the new movie, give us a little bit of backstory for people who might not know what Train Spotting is. Um, well, this is this isn't the interesting thing is that um, when I first saw uh, the original Train Spotting in something like 1996, it was mm-hmm. it was quite. Uh, yeah, it was it was an amazing experience. It was like uh, fantastic music, great story, compelling. You've got these fresh new actors mm-hmm. um, in you know set in Scotland amongst a bunch of junkies. It's not you know <laughs> it's not the kind of storyline that you tend to think of as a good family fair. I would say uh, new, no. <laughs> no, no. Um, and it's basically a, a, a crowd of uh, four ne'er do wells, three of whom seem to fit together well, mm-hmm. uh, and a, a fourth character who's kind of like an outlier but seems to be necessary for the story. And here's an interesting thing uh, I was going to go and see, I knew I was going to go and see T2 pretty mm-hmm. soon after it came out, and I kept on thinking, should I go, should I see Train Spotting, the original, mm-hmm. um, before I, I, I go again? As a know, refresher. Remind, you know, because I mean, I've seen it, I've seen it more than once, but the last time I'd seen it was, it was probably a good 15 years ago. Yeah. And I, th- I said to myself, 
I said to myself, I, you know, I maybe I don't really need to because it'll all come flooding back to me. Right. Um, and I don't want to, you know, spoil things. I don't read reviews or anything else like that. So I go in and, and, and watch it and then T2 mm-hmm. and realized, okay, so this is a, you know, kind of like a, a direct follow on 20 years later mm-hmm. and they're referencing parts of the original story <laughs> and I have no memory of this the original oh, story wow. whatsoever i mean i know it's about a bunch of junkies in edinburgh <laughs> right? and they're getting up to shenanigans and th- there's lots of drugs and there's lots of drinking and and uh, all kinds of other criminal stuff going on and i, I know there's there's deaths and, mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff but it's like oh i didn't remember that part of the story at all i'm i'm turning to the person i went to the to movie with and they had no memory of of, <laughs> of the right. story as well, so it was it was interesting because later when we came out, we thought to ourselves, uh, we said to each other, "Hey, could you say that this would be T two? That this would be a movie that you could watch as a standalone movie without having seen Train Spotting at all?" Mm-hmm. And we weren't we weren't a hundred percent sure. We thought you know you could you could do it, right? But that you know. Yeah, to to get the full impact, you'd you'd want to see the original characters. Gotcha. Just the characters. That's the thing. The story itself, you you definitely got enough chunks of. There are enough T2. kickbacks. Yeah, yeah there are exactly. enough kickbacks during it where you're like, okay, this person is this, this, right. this, but but you didn't have the earlier character development to see gotcha. why the characters in T2 were the way that they were, which I guess brings me to actually talking about T2 a little mm-hmm. bit, and uh, so. Uh, it's quite amazing. Danny Boyle, who's the director, um, managed to bring together uh, all four of the four main characters from the original Train Spotting, and mm-hmm. he managed to to pull in a bunch of other side characters too. So um, you know, uh, Ewan McGregor, who uh, plays uh, Renton, uh, Ewan Bremner, who plays Spud, Robert Carlyle play, playing Begbie, mm-hmm. and Johnny Lee Miller uh, playing Simon or Sick Boy, Sick Boy. <laughs> from from the original. They're all in there. Plus, you have uh, you know bit part players from the original movie like Kelly MacDonald and Shirley Henderson, who are now are, um, I wouldn't call them necessarily big film stars, but they are, they're, they're, they're hey, very they're, recognizable yeah. film stars. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, and Kelly MacDonald, for those of you who are kind of looking for that most recognizable thing, she was on Boardwalk Empire for a number of years. Uh, and she has been on a bunch of stuff also, but as far as kind of maybe her biggest mainstream thing that people would recognize her from would be boardwalk empire went on for a long time Mm. she was a voice in brave the animated movie Mm -hmm. so she has done a lot of stuff and as soon as you see her then it starts to be like oh okay yeah and she's been in a couple of my uh favorite things um one of which uh (laughs) i can actually remember the name of right now which is a girl in the cafe with bill nighy um it's a lovely sweet uh story um yeah, brilliant film. Okay. And Shirley Henderson, I really like as well. Who's she was in a bunch of stuff: Topsy Turvy, Bridget Jones's Diary, Tristram Shandy, and and the Harry po- well, one or more of the Harry Potter movies. Um, oh, you mean she was one of those British actresses and actors who were in a Harry Potter movie? <laughs> oh, weird. like every Imagine single that. British actor. <laughs> yes, exactly. So um, this was kind of like a dream, uh, dream team cast of Scottish actors of that generation yeah. of the mid nineteen nineties. I mean, these these are 
uh, have all apart from well, Johnny Lee Miller's not not Scottish, but everybody else in uh, you know all the big names in this film were sc- relatively unknown Scottish mm-hmm. actors For sure. uh, when they came to this. Robert Carlyle, uh, you know, slightly older, slightly longer career, but again, not known to American audiences for the most part. Um, and they they did a fantastic job in train spotting, and here they are, twenty years later, somehow. Danny Boyle managed to get them all back together after they have had, you know, some pretty stellar um, uh, acting careers. Yeah. Uh, Johnny Lee Miller is currently, I think, I think he's still currently in Elementary playing mm-hmm. uh, Sherlock Holmes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's been in a bunch of different films, including starring in uh, Flying Scotsman. I enjoyed that movie. Not everybody did. Um, Ewan Bremner, um, he, you know, was in uh, Snatch. He's in Black Hawk Down. Um continue yeah. uh robert carlisle uh who's been in some movies I, I i which i absolutely love um 28 weeks later uh full monty ravenous not everybody saw ravenous not everybody's gonna like ravenous it is a great movie <laughs> fair enough yeah <laughs> and of course you mcgregor who's been in just about every movie uh the, the you know and almost invariably excellent the stuff that he's been in so mm. here's the thing Oh no! Don't don't start with that. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. So how? W- what do you do with a cast that's twenty years older? You, can you can you revisit that and and somehow make it as fun and as dramatic mm-hmm. as is it and crazy as it was back then? The answer is no. You can't. But right? also you don't. I don't think you want to. I was going to say yeah. Why? I mean, rarely do we see a film where we want to see a carbon copy of it again or see those characters as the same and they have not gone through any development or changed. I think that's how a lot of uh, serial movies are, though, is that they want to bang them out really, really quickly and the characters are the same and the, the fights are the same. I'm, I wouldn't go into your superhero movies, John, oh. but they, you know, there's so many of them are pretty much exactly the same storyline again and again and again. But mm-hmm. but here we are, um, you know, so like the the end of Train Spotting was 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 very much kind of like an ending of this group of friends, and but here they are twenty years later, bring them back, and uh, Renton, who has been has has essentially not been back since the end of Train Spotting, mm. the first movie. And he comes back and, let, to, to put it mildly, his return is not terribly welcome to his friends or his once upon a time uh, yeah. uh, friends, <laughs> to put it mildly. Um, and they're middle-aged. You know, they're st- you know, starting middle-aged or, or in Robert Carlyle's case, a little bit older than that. Oh, yeah, past it. Um, and it's it's you're going to have more pathos shall we say you're gonna have a slower story you're gonna have more deep thought and apparently you're still gonna have quite a lot of drugs but (laughs) but not nearly as much and you know not as nearly as comprehensively in the whole cast as as you did back in the mid-1990s were there were any of those moments because like train spotting the first one is a great film if you if people have not checked it out go and find it i'm sure you can find it streaming on demand somewhere to kind of put it in perspective of another drug fueled fantastic movie would be requiem for a dream there were scenes in requiem for a dream and in transplanting that were physically hard to watch like it was just when you see that drugstore cowboy oh there you go yeah where just where you see 
these people in just the dregs. They're going through the just the worst parts of addiction and you see it reflected in their faces and their bodies and it just it breaks your heart. Were there any of those types of moments in this film? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there's there's a little bit of romance in a okay. in a young junkie. There's a lot less romance in a 40 plus year old junkie and one of the characters is still doing heroin mm. in this and yeah it, i mean it, it, it's good because it, it also shows that you know sort of like despite all the uh scare story public service announcements you can go on almost any drug probably any drug you know mm-hmm. if if you're fairly careful for a long long time yeah. it's not oh my god you're going to get addicted and then two years later you're going to be dead mm-hmm. it doesn't happen that way with certainly almost everyone but you're going to have a nasty nasty physical decline and you're going mm-hmm. to have wasted an awful lot of time most of your life in in, in the case of of the one of the characters in this movie um and it's 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 a real shame but it's you know it what can i say i mean that's the thing is that there it it's also important to show that you know there is a reason why the folks are doing these drugs even the the mm. hardest ones it's you know sort of there's there's some often pretty good reason why why they got into it or why they continue doing it okay. you know do they regret it at the end of all this time yes most most definitely because of the negative effects mm-hmm. that eventually but i mean it helped it helped for a little bit and it was fun for a little bit and it feels good for a little bit you know um and i mean with with addiction in general and that was the thing that happens a lot you end up replacing it with something mm-hmm so if it is not alcohol, it is cigarettes. If it is not cigarettes, it is coffee. If it is not coffee, it is like it is a vicious cycle. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean that's and that's one of the one of the points that is made early on in the movie is that not all of the characters are doing drugs anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe they've replaced it with something else. Yeah. Good, good or bad, you know. So um, there is a clear story arc uh, from this, and it's kind of. Uh, you might want to say um, some degree of redemption okay. uh, seeking on the part of uh, of uh, the Ewan McGregor character, and um, and I would say that some people are more receptive to to this than others um, because you know each more each, receptive to the change, right? Okay, yeah, or more receptive to his return. Oh. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of water gone under the bridge, you know, for each of the characters, right. um, as you see very early in the movie. So it's not much of a spoiler to know that uh, Begbie is in prison, and he's been in prison for a a, like time. at least fifteen <laughs> years. Um, and um, yeah, and and sick boy is is still trying to be this. I want to call it entrepreneur that's putting it kind of <laughs> kindly perhaps mm-hmm. um so yeah i mean uh, i would say it's it yeah it's i think you you would you probably should see train spotting first i wouldn't advise if you haven't seen it to, to to just go in um but i you know not having really remembered the story I'm I'm not feeling bad about not seeing it. What I'm excited about is I'm excited about going back to see nice. Train Spotting after having seen T2, which 
I guess brings me to uh, my uh, rating. Uh huh. Speaking this. of rating, do you want to describe your rating? Did you? Of course, oh, I okay. want to describe my rating. Because <laughs> I was, I was going to give it like a star rating if you didn't describe it. Yeah. Gross. Uh, so the rating for this podcast, uh, for any new listeners, uh, and again, I have said it before, I will say it again. Just like Stan Lee always says, every comic book is somebody's first comic book. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, the rating system for movies and TV shows and veg fest <laughs> and types of those types of things, you have three choices, good, bad, or ugly. A good film in this case, uh, something that you really enjoyed, you would recommend to a friend, it gave you some good feelings, there were some, you know, it, you enjoyed it. A bad movie, not something you would recommend to a friend, not something that you particularly hated, it just... Yeah, it was not that great. Ugly is something you would never recommend. You regret spending two hours in the theater or however long it was. And you kind of hate yourself just a little bit. Uh, so, of good, bad, and ugly, T2 Transpotting, quick sidebar. The reason it is called T2 Transpotting, and I got this information from a friend of the family, Tim Hall, a.k.a. The People's Critic, who got to interview Danny Boyle recently when he was here in Seattle. Uh, so Terminator 2, which most people colloquially call T2, mm. legally is not called T2. So legally, they were able to do T2 Trainspotting. I did wonder. I, I was thinking, gosh, I thought that was already Terminator yeah. 2, but no. Oh, that's clever. No, it, officially, yeah. it is Terminator 2 colon Judgment Day. Uh-huh. So they were able to like do that, and Danny Boyle, he talked about... Uh-huh. He was like, you know, but if we just did T2, people are just going to go to James Cameron. So he was like, T2 train spotting. <laughs> so Clever. Yeah, there was some information on that. Okay, so, can I review it now? You mean rate it? Rate you it. may. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, it shouldn't really come as much of a surprise. I'd give it an enthusiastic good. Um, Excellent. Yeah, definitely. I would definitely watch it again after a little bit of time and i mm -hmm. definitely makes me want to go back and watch the original perfect and i think that says a lot about these kind of remakes rehashes if it makes you want to go back usually that is a sign of a good thing yeah i mean because again you it, it could too easily have fallen into kind of like a repeat 20 mm -hmm. years later of a, of a knockabout kind of yeah i know it was a knockabout comedy when it first came about but i mean a knockabout <laughs> <No>. kind of, <laughs> uh, drama slash comedy or whatever or the, it could have like de you know devolved into something terribly schmaltzy and right. oh everybody give each other a hug it didn't it it held everybody kicks own. drugs and now we're all friends Yay. again uh, no it, it, it was a solid story and it was it was a welcome return of these characters excellent Cool. This is also, when Transpotting came out, it was the first movie that I remember that had two soundtracks for one movie. Like, it came out with one soundtrack. It did so well that the creators of the film were like, you know, there were some other songs that we really liked that we could not put on the first soundtrack or in the movie. Mm. So they made a second full soundtrack. Yeah, I should. I, oh, God, I feel terrible now. Uh, yeah, no, I mean, one of the things that you definitely need to point out about uh, both Trainspottings is that they have a banging soundtrack. Seriously. I mean, it, it's great. You got Iggy Pop, Left Field, Underworld, Joy Division in the first one. Mm -hmm. Got a similar lineup again. You got, of course, you have to have Iggy Pop in T two. <laughs> um, Frankie goes to Hollywood. Young Fathers, Clash. Well, it's it's a yeah, fantastic combination of sounds. Whoever put that together, uh, 
I'll give them a good rating too. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> uh, so now to another movie that has been over 20 years since the original came out. And if you could not tell, I was not able to see Transpotting 2, which is why Andy took over on that one. Mm-hmm. Andy, unfortunately, was not able to see Ghost in the Shell. Nope. <laughs> so I will be talking about this. So, and I will get into a little bit of the controversy surrounding it, but just as a primer, uh, Ghost in the Shell uh, was originally a manga in Japan, and they made a movie in 1995 uh, that was is still considered one of the greatest anime of all time uh and it was one of the one of the anime that got me first into this whole genre that man i fell deep down the rabbit hole in this starting back in around 1995 to this day it's funny because i saw uh ghost in the shell back when it first came out as Mm -hmm. well and and probably contributed to my uh staying well away from the rabbit hole interesting yeah and I, I it's it was just i think you know i was watching it and i from a very um western perspective perhaps where you know i'm expecting a a story arc that makes sense and <laughs> wow <laughs> i'm so I, yeah and i know that is going to make me sound terribly terribly ignorant but one of my problems with a lot of the anime that I've seen mm-hmm. is that so much of it seems to really make no sense or there's, there's there's gaping holes in the plot or the characters or there's gigantic leaps of mm-hmm. something and you think well hang on I've no idea why that character just did that or or how that happened or anything and 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 for me that really had an impact on my enjoyment of things just thinking I don't know why that exploded right now I well don't know and why. and part of that I can easily explain in that most of the major anime that is out there, both back then, you know, things like Akira and Ghost in the Shell, Ninja Scroll, Vampire Hunter D, all almost all of these are based off of very successful manga that went on for decades in some parts. So when you take a movie like Akira, which is incredible, and it was another one where especially for Western audiences, this is part of that first generation of anime that was coming over here that became huge. When you actually look at the manga for Akira, it is three massive volumes. That, I mean, compiled volumes. The movie essentially is one of those and parts of another. So that is that is an intrinsic problem with these mm-hmm. anime adaptations. Yeah. Yeah. So for somebody, yeah, I mean, like yourself who might not have known it was a manga or might not have ever the manga it they can get a little confusing they can get a bit heady uh especially in the case of ghost in the shell mm-hmm. uh but yeah so that is one of the reasons why it can feel that way but the original 1995 uh the story centers around major motoko kusanagi and section nine this anime has gone off the rails for me it started getting a bunch of sequels and tv shows standalone complex it lost me a few years ago, mm-hmm. but I still have seen the original a bunch of times. Uh, I have some of the manga. Is it in your top three um, anime? I would say I would put it in my top three influential anime. Mm. It is not in my top three of all time. Okay, but as far as like getting me into the genre, yeah, it was this. It was Akira. It was Ninja Scroll. 
it was Vampire Hunter D, Macross Plus. When it came to like the true, ugh, I sound like such an elitist, <laughs> quote unquote, like true anime, that was my bridge into that into the world. So mm-hmm. it was influential. I, I would I might not put it in my top three. Can I just ask, do you consider Miyazaki to be anime, or is that animation? I consider Miyazaki to be the best at what he does in a world all of it all in his own it, it, it is hard to, anime I, ugh, it is tough i mean yes i think by definition yes i put him honestly in a world of his own of course like he yeah princess mononoke was another one that came out in the mid to late 90s at least over here mm-hmm. so it was part of that first leading into second wave of of anime yeah but yeah he poof, i could do a whole episode on him <laughs> Well, maybe we shall. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, so the story is centered around Motoko Kusanagi, who is a major in Section 9 as they track down hackers. And the story is this futuristic, dystopian, not even dystopian, futuristic, totalitarian kind of world uh, that merges man and machine and woman and machine. And what is humanity when everybody is enhanced in a sense? When somebody, almost everybody has something in their head mm-hmm. or in their body that makes them more machine. So it kind of goes back and forth with that. Uh, now, the the live action, when this first was announced a couple years ago, those of us in the anime world have been faked out more than <laughs> once with all of these adaptations. There was a while when they talked about doing a Cowboy Bebop movie. And Keanu Reeves was going to be Spike. There was talk about a, an Akira movie with Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm-hmm. If you see a trend uh, taking these very, very influential manga, very, very influential anime movies, and flat out Americanizing them. I was going to say, making them Hollywood fodder. Yeah. Uh, this does exactly that. Oh. Um. So I will talk about the controversy first that everybody uh, you cannot talk about this movie, unfortunately, without talking about the controversy, which is the casting of Scarlett Johansson as the major. Does she have a Japanese name? So hmm, without going, because I also don't want to go into spoilers. (laughs) Okay, okay. That was one of my biggest problems with this. When you have such a controversial uh, theme as far as the casting of Scarlett Johansson in this major role, ha, literally, uh, major role, <laughs> uh, funny. you have two ways to go about it. Either one, you give her the name, Motoko Kusanagi, and never explain it, and just think that this is a futuristic world, colonization, mm-hmm. whatever. Mm-hmm. It happens. It yep. happens today, where you'll meet somebody who has a name that geographically you might not associate them with but they were born there whatever that is one way is you give her the name and just go with it Mm -hmm. second you do what this movie does which was terrible and it was misconstrued (laughs) and it made no sense her name her the come on just the first first name she goes by is something like mira killian Mm-hmm. And she talks about it, and this isn't like the first five minutes, so this is not a big plot spoiler. And she was like, you know, my family was on their way to this country, and 
then they died and I survived and blah blah. What? Like the the it it makes no logical sense. Not only no logical sense in the sense of a movie going audience, but within the context of the movie, it just it was just bizarre. There was no need for it. Um throughout the film you do kind of start to see where Motoko Kusanagi comes in and it makes no sense and they could have easily cut out all of those parts as much as I disagree with the casting of Scarlett Johansson because she already did a movie uh, where she was Motoko Kusanagi essentially called Lucy mm-hmm. and it was garbage um, oh, ouch. <laughs> but so I totally disagree with the casting of her in so many so many ways but especially in this where it was like why not if you're going to put her in here just call her Motoko Kusanagi and just go with it how did you, how was her acting though bad scarlett johansson is in my be opinion be careful what you say okay i love scarlett johansson Ugh, you so. do not you liar um i, I like her I, I like her okay so and and you know quick apology to damien uh who loves scarlett johansson she is wooden in this movie, she barely emotes. But isn't she supposed to be kind of a cyborgy kind of thing? Yes, but the other cyborgs in the movie, the other characters you see in the movie that are also enhanced, have character, mm, have okay. personality. They have a play. They have an arc. They have something. She has nothing. Hmm. Like, it was it was just weird. And, w- and when you go back and you watch the anime, Motoko... Like the mate, and she goes by major in almost every iteration. Um, the major in the original anime is is pretty even keel. So I get it if Scarlett Johansson was trying to do that, but it just made it hard to watch in parts because you're you just I did not really care about her. Mm. Um, well, I mean that's going to be a, a trouble with any kind of robotic kind of thing is the lack of humanity whereas this is this is actually a human being with cyborgian elements uh the only thing human about the major in particular is the brain right as opposed to brain contains emotions and it does and that and again like in the in the realm and the in the universe that this takes place in your humanity is called your ghost Mm-hmm. You know, that that yep. lives in your brain. That is your soul, essentially. So the ghost in the shell, in a literal sense, is the brain inside of a robotic body. Right. It just... I had a lot of problems with, with her in this. But not to go down that road completely, how about I just talk about some of the good things? <laughs> uh, the visuals of this movie. Zack Snyder needs to watch this movie and take notes. I say that because Zack Snyder is a great moments director when you watch Watchmen or 300 or anything like that you can lay the comic book next to the screen down to the picture frame in the background of a a shot that is in the movie and he has no idea how to tell a story (laughs) but he is great at moments with this visually like you could and I am sure a YouTuber has done this and if not somebody do it lay the anime next to the live action shot for shot almost exactly for a lot of the movie Hmm. and it looked beautiful 
but it still made sense within the context of the movie as opposed to looking beautiful and making no sense. Well, here's a question then. Does Did it make sense to make it live action when sort of, let's say, 95% of it all was CGI anyway, which is the <laughs> new animation? Um, I say yes, because the the anime nerd in me, I would love to see more live action adaptations of the anime that I grew up with and loved so much. So I, I did like that they went that way. I just think it could have been done better. Uh, there were some CGI moments in this that were like awful. Hmm. And it was towards like the end of the movie. And even though movies are rarely shot in sequence, it felt like they're running out of money towards the end. Uh, there is a scene when Scarlett Johansson is walking towards the camera and her whole bodysuit which in the anime she is naked. Uh, in this, she has like this millimeters thin <laughs> bodysuit that has some cool CGI effects in it throughout the movie. But in this one particular scene, she is walking towards the camera and her head is floating differently than her body is moving. Hmm. And it, like it is just, it does not make sense. Whatever CGI mapping they were doing, did not set the anchor points or something. And you didn't see this in 3D or anything, right? I did. Oh, you did? I saw this in IMAX oh, 3D. See, I think that might have been a complicating factor then. It, it could have been. Um, there was that. There were a couple other scenes where, yeah, things just did not match up uh, where I felt like they should have. Hmm. Uh, her Her walk, her talk, it was just, it was odd. Her whole performance was just odd. This also has the problem that I talked about on a recent episode with Tim with Kong Skull Island. If you have section nine and say six people are in that group, give, give a line or two to those people. So we actually care about them. And this section nine has a group of people that had no business being in there at all. They barely had any lines. There's no character development. They disappear. Why were they there in the first place? In the original anime, Ishikawa is one of the only other people in Section 9, and he was the human. He was like the beat cop that they recruited basically to level them out. To be like, all right, we need somebody with no enhancements other than the little mind link to just kind of normalize things. And it made sense. In this one, they have a bunch of people that stand around and do nothing. Hmm. So, yeah, that was weird. Um, Bato? is great uh her sidekick uh in this uh, i forgot to look up the actor's name Pil- Ugh, i should not have looked up the actor's Damn, name yeah piloy asbach <laughs> so, sorry sorry Luckily, they're not gonna recognize themselves uh, on that. <laughs> let me hold on let me see where he is from uh oh he is danish how do you pronounce that uh pilo aspic Oh, yeah, that was exactly what I sounded That's like. That's nothing. I'm not said. sure what, what your problem was. <laughs> uh, like, he was really good. I mean, yeah, he had an arc. Like, his, he, his motivations made sense. Mm-hmm. I just did not really think other people did. Um, yeah. I, I had a tough time with this one because the visuals on it were incredible. The things that they changed from the anime, for the most part, were okay. One of the huge, huge glaring problems in this also is you take somebody 
who is a very well-known actor, uh, Beat Takeshi, who you know from Old Boy and a ton of other stuff. He played Zatoishi, the blind swordsman at one point. Uh, he is in here as the head of Section 9, and he speaks Japanese through the whole thing. Uh, take a guess. I'm going to give you three guesses okay. or three options of how many other people speak Japanese in this. Uh, first answer, one. Other answer, five. Other answer, zero. Mm, maybe zero? Zero is the correct answer. <laughs> so he's kind of like talking to himself then. No, because they can all understand him. Oh, they understand. And they okay. respond to him in English. <laughs> and they're just like, what? And again, this is one of those choices There's, where... There was probably some contractual obligation from the copyright owners <sighs> of Ghost in the Shell that you had to have at least one Japanese actor speaking Japanese. <laughs> I, I, I guess, but it was like... Again, place. What, out, yeah, out place. Why? <laughs> Either have him speak English, which he can. He has spoken yeah. English a couple times in, yeah. in movies. Or have them at least respond at some point in Japanese. I, uh. Yeah. I mean, you, even if you're like going in and out, even if you're only saying, hello, yeah. officer, and blah, 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 blah. And then suddenly or you're backing into English. You know, A clever way that they could have done this is if her comm link, her internal comm link, was glitching every now and then. And you heard it in Japanese yeah. or some like yeah. there were th these are all or not all a lot of cybernetic elements in most of the characters in this. There were ways you could have slipped it in there that mm -hmm. that they could hear him speaking Japanese yep. in their heads. It just it made no sense. Um, the guy who actually is the other cyborg, uh, Kuze, played by Michael Pitt, he is somebody who is more cyborg than the major but he has emotions like he can actually do stuff scarlett Johansson was just a block of wood so if you put aside the controversy and look at this just as an action movie it was pretty damn impressive uh there were some really really incredibly well shot parts in this mm -hmm. if you look at it as an anime adaptation it was also pretty damn good but looking at it and the performances and, and everything is where it kind of starts to fall apart. Uh, I have to talk about the music, just like you talked about with Trainspotting. Clint Manziel did the score, who people would know from... He did worked for the Kronos Quartet for Requiem for a Dream, mm -hmm. uh, Black Swan. Clint Manziel is an incredible composer. The, the score in this was beautiful. They took parts of the original with the creepy children's choir. They did some other stuff beautiful beautiful score throughout the entire movie um but yeah i i could talk about this movie for for a lot longer uh i might just have to do an anime adaptation episode or something but as it stands you look like you're about ready to rate it John. yeah as it stands <laughs> uh as far as good bad or ugly i i, I as wooden as scarlett johansson is the rest of the supporting cast as minimal minimalistically as they were used did not drop it down to ugly but i also cannot give this a good based on her performance based on all of the controversy purely based on like there are asian actors and actresses who could do this who want to do this who should have done this 
the people who are going to see this movie, we're going to see this movie regardless. Put, give somebody else a chance. I, I get it. It is a big blockbuster Hollywood thing. You need to put an A-list actress in there. Mm-hmm. No, you take put, a I chance. Think I think you're absolutely right. The people who are going to go and see this are going to go and see it because yeah. they love the original mm-hmm. or they're just interested in anime in one way or another. And they're not going because of Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. So I, I say just give it a chance. Give it to somebody else. So my official rating for Ghost in the Shell is bad. Mm-hmm. Um, similar to a couple other movies that Andy and I have talked about with bad movies. Sometimes you kind of need to see them in a theater, even though they are bad. This one, if you are watching it at home on like a 20 inch to 40 inch TV, it might not look so great. Uh, if you have a nicer TV, then okay. But unfortunately, because the visuals are so good for most of it, I, you should see it in the theater, but be prepared that Scarlett Johansson is a block of wood <laughs> and not the block of wood fighter who is in the Tekken games um, <laughs> or the Motokan Nojutsu, which was in Naruto. Please stop now. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah. So that that was that was kind of it. So you gave Transpotting an enthusiastic good. I did. I gave Ghost in the Shell a middling bad because it was it was great to see it in live action. It truly was. Uh, towards the end of the movie, there's a scene stripped from the original uh, where she's fighting this tank, and you can see the tank in one of the trailers. That was one of the only times where I truly saw Scarlett Johansson emote. Uh, when she is going through this very, very strenuous activity. That was great. Here's an interesting thing. I think we can both recommend to our dear listeners mm-hmm. to go and see the original. Mm-hmm. You, because this one, this Ghost in the Shell, is not that good. Yeah. And me, because I think there's some real value to seeing the character development from the original to mm-hmm. T2. So, yeah, both everybody should go and see both Ghost in the Shell from 1995 and Spotting from 1996. Six. Yeah, I think it was when it first came out. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, there we go. Uh, because this is the 50th episode, uh, and it is a milestone, uh, even though I wanted to do like a one-year thing and in podcasting, honestly, here's my advice. I get asked this all the time. John, how do you start a podcast? How do you do this and that? You know, blah, blah. If you put out one episode and it is on iTunes and it is on Stitcher or wherever you are doing it, you deserve some credit. So doing 50 is awesome. But at the same time, just do one. Get it out there. Podcasting is a medium where you can talk about whatever you want to talk about. So, uh, yeah, just do that. So for the 50th in particular, I'm going to list some people that I have to thank, who have been part of the process. So here we go with a bunch of list of names. Uh, Tim Hall, of course, People's Critic. Steve, Jess, Damien, Carmen, Brandon, Michelle, uh, Ryan Berkeley, Ryan File, Ivan, anybody who has been on my guest list from any of the festivals, which are way too many to name, a huge, huge thank you to all of you guys. I would not have 50 episodes without all of your help i forgot somebody on this list i think Mm. no i think all the names those are all names (laughs) yeah uh and of course dr andy oh yes uh yeah so thank you all for listening uh it has been quite a wild ride like i said there will be some sort of episode down the road where 
we get a bunch of people in the studio and do something fun. Uh, that is not today, though. Here's to the next 50. Uh, here is to the, the next 50. John's not picking up his glass. I'm just going to, like, <laughs> clash glass. No, there that's we go. pathetic. Yeah, that, that was bad. Um, oh, and I could use this one. Mm-hmm. Here we go. Hey! hey. <laughs> uh, so, you can find the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Blueberry, Podbay, a bunch of different places. Uh, you can find it on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at about to review. Uh, you can leave a review. I would absolutely love that. If you go to patreon.com slash about to review, uh, there is some bonus content up there. So that would be great to pitch in there. Uh, I think that about wraps it up. So for this episode, for the 50th episode of About to Review, I have been your host, that guy named John. And I have been Dr. Andy. To the next 50. We'll see you next time. This has been an About to Review production. Thank you to Vexing Media, who provides audio editing services. They are a graphic design, website design, and digital media company. You can find them at their website, vexingmedia.com, or on Facebook and Twitter, at Vexing Media.